0: It is good to be with you on uh, Vacation Bible School. Peggy and I were talking, it's been a long time since we've been in a church to uh, to celebrate and see that. So that's been really, uh, really a great opportunity. So uh, as we get ready to look at the word this morning, would you pause with me as we pray? Father, we're thankful for this weekend, this opportunity to uh, gather together to worship you. Uh, we thank you for seeing uh, the excitement of these children and uh, the opportunities that they've had during this week. We pray your Holy Spirit would uh, continue to work in their lives. Thank you for this church, Lord, and I pray uh, for um, their pastor and their future pastor. I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, this body of believers would uh, be able to represent you well in the midst of uh, our current uh, uh, climate in this community and in, in this country. So guide us, we pray now, as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's the 4th of July weekend and uh, throughout many different uh, communities uh, there are special events, they have uh, big parades uh, that are uh, coming out and fireworks and and floats and all different kinds of things and uh, it's it's a really special time. But in the little town I grew up in, uh, the 4th of July was also a very uh, special uh, time. Now, we had a 4th of July parade. Now, we didn't have floats like this, but our parade looked more like this. <laughs> uh, but it still was a big deal. Uh, we had people that uh, uh, would decorate their bikes, and people had their pickup trucks, and, and people were in the back, and sometimes the high school band would march. and So it was a big deal. And then on the weekend of the 4th of July in our little church, we'd gather together, and, and we would sing patriotic songs. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. Or we'd sing, O beautiful, for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. And then we would, with great enthusiasm, America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Remember some of those songs? We are proud of America. We love to sing those songs. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case with everyone today. There there are some people that seem to have a a sentiment against America. In fact, we've made celebrities out of pro athletes just because they've knelt during the national anthem. My son was telling me last week about an elementary school teacher that he heard about that had an American flag in her classroom. But she said she felt so uncomfortable with the flag uh, that she removed the flag from her classroom. Today we have people that are openly down on America. Now I will say America is not perfect. As a country, we have problems, some serious problems both in our history as well as in our current experience. But in spite of this, we are still blessed to live in America. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I saw last week an interview where a man said when his kids were growing up, he made sure that uh, he took them to another country to spend some time with him in another country because when they came back, they always had a much better appreciation uh, for America. So I just want to say this morning on this 4th of July weekend, we can be proud of our country. We can celebrate the wonderful heritage that we have as our nation. We can be thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy. But at the same time, we are to remember that our current experience is not our ultimate hope, neither is it our ultimate home. It's so easy, I think, for us to get focused on the challenges and the details and the, and the demands of the day, that, that we can forget as followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling, a, a calling that goes beyond any national or political issue. Now, I think this is a part of the message that Peter was trying to send out in the first letter that he wrote. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.1, listen how he opens the book. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Glacia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, in this letter, Paul is or Peter is sending out a message to Jewish Christians that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. And they are no longer, uh, they've been uprooted from their home. They're scattered throughout the land. Uh, they no longer have a homeland. Today we just call them refugees. And and many times as refugees, they would have no rights, they would have limited freedom. And so Peter is writing to these displaced Christians, and he's providing for them instruction and encouragement for how they can live in a culture and a context that is so much different than their values as a follower of Jesus. Now, as I talk to Christians today, it seems like many times we feel like we're being displaced. The America we're growing up, or the America we're experiencing today, doesn't feel like the America that we grew up in. And so, as we see our culture sliding further and further away from the teaching of Scripture, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond? Well, I think Peter outlines for us some ways that we can use the freedom that we have in Christ to make a difference. And so let me focus our attention on our scripture, our primary scripture from First Peter chapter two, and we'll begin the reading at verse nine. I think there's going to be words on the screen. Uh, they may be the same version that I'm reading, but there could be a little bit of difference. But here's the word of the Lord. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether as to kings as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not live. do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and honor the king. May God honor His word. Again, Peter is writing to these Christian refugees that have been displaced. And he begins by reminding them and reminding us who we are. As Christians, we are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. And what he's saying is that we are a part of something that is so much bigger than any geographical or political movement we might say today that as Americans we have a a dual citizenship and while that's significant it's important to remember that our priority our primary allegiance is to God and to the nation that he's called us to be a part of being a part of a holy nation that sounds impressive but so what (laughs) what are we supposed to do with that Well, the scripture tells us that we are a part of this nation so that we can declare or tell the praises of God who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to declare and display the light of Jesus, to declare with our words and display with our lives the light of Jesus. And it's the light that will conquer the darkness. We can't overcome the darkness of our day by cursing it or complaining about it. We can't debate it away. But as God's people, as a holy nation, we can be the light of hope because we have a different perspective. We have a a different priority. Maybe you remember the old song, uh, This world is not my home, I'm just a-passing through. That's true. We have a perspective that is beyond what we deal with in the course of our everyday lives. And so Peter reminds us, he actually refers to us in verse 11 as aliens and strangers in this world. Do you feel that way sometimes? (laughs) If you say anything about Jesus or, or begin to talk about traditional values, sometimes people look at you like, You're from a different planet, like you're an alien. (laughs) These verses imply to us that we should expect that, but we shouldn't be overcome by that perspective. In spite of the reactions or the rejections that we might receive, don't be shaken or discouraged by that. Because no matter what our current situation, no matter what our current circumstances might be like, I like the way the Living Bible puts the 11th verse. It says simply, you are visitors here since your real home is in heaven. So Peter is reminding them and he's reminding us that our ultimate home is not here, it's in heaven. But in saying this, Peter emphasizes that we are in fact still living here. And he's saying how we live our lives will make either a positive or negative impact upon other people's lives. That's why he says in verse 12 that we are to live our lives, live good lives among the pagans. Uh, The Living Bible puts it a different way. It says, be careful how you live among your unsaved neighbors. Now remember, Peter is writing to a group of displaced, scattered, refugee Christians. Many of them would be at the bottom of the social scale. The society that they lived in would be suspicious of their values as Christians and their commitment to Jesus. And on top of this, they would have little, if any, political standing. They lived with a repressive government, and so their freedoms would be very limited. And so with all of this as background, it seems like verse 13 is kind of a radical left turn for Peter. (laughs) He says there, submit yourself to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, when you consider the conditions that they were living in and they were facing, uh, I would think that would be a pretty bitter pill to swallow. But quite honestly, when I see some of the things that are happening in our culture today, verse 13 is a bit of a challenge for us. Everything seems to become so political and so divisive. And when we see some of the things that our government is doing, it just seems so ridiculous. And we hear some of the things and some of the actions that our elected officials are doing. It's just crazy. And yet the scripture tells us that we are to respect and honor our civil authorities. And so we hear Peter's words and we think, well, (laughs) Peter's just out of touch with today's reality. He he doesn't know how crazy things are today for us. But do you know who the Roman emperor was when Peter was writing his letter? Do you remember the name Nero? (laughs) Nero was one of the most brutal, evil emperors ever. He in no way honored Christ, our Christians, yet in spite of this in spite of Nero's approach Peter is encouraging Christians fear God and honor the king you see scripture always has a spiritual rather than a political focus how we interact with others can make an eternal impact upon others what we do with our lives how we use our freedom that we have in Christ matters Uh, they can make waves as our vacation bible school kids told us they can make waves that will make a difference for Jesus Peter's writing to this displaced group of Christian refugees we don't know what their social or political status might have been but we can just imagine it wasn't all that great but Peter is saying to the readers then and he's saying to us today in verse 16, live as free men, live as free people. Now we know that most people in the world would love to have just even a small, small percentage of the freedoms that we enjoy here in America. But the greatest freedom is not political freedom. Politically, we can be, have all the freedom of the world But yeah, we can still be in bondage. But the scripture tells us that we can be free no matter what our political, our social circumstances might be. I can remember a few years ago uh, in the church that I was pastoring, uh, there was a a special uh, missions outreach to Russia. There was a a group that was uh, organizing and sending people to Russia for a a year uh, to serve as as short-term missionaries. And there were two families from our church that were going to go and be a part of this. And so in our commissioning services, we were getting ready to send them out. Uh, they shared with the congregation just how hungry spiritually uh, the Russian people were. And how this was a, an open door for them to go and share. And, and as they were sharing about the opportunity, they, they told us about a, a testimony that they heard uh, from a Russian man. Uh, This man had been a college professor and he'd been a, a Christian for only about a year, but now he was pastoring a church. And this professor, as he was sharing his testimony, talked about his grandma, how she was a, a woman of deep faith. And, and she became a follower of Jesus before the communist revolution. And when the communist government uh, came in uh, and they came to power, they tried to wipe out the church. They outlawed the, outlawed the Bible. And if they captured you with the Bible, they would not only take the Bible away and destroy it, but they would punish you. He said, in spite of this, his grandmother kept her Bible And she kept her faith. He said, every time I would go and visit her, she would pull her Bible out and she would talk to me about Jesus. He said, now, she was my grandma, so I paid respect to her, but I I listened, but I really didn't think too much about what she was saying. He said, in fact, I just kind of forgotten about it uh, until I got into my adult years. And he says, I was a professor at the college, and there was a Christian that came to campus, and as he shared about his faith, I remembered the stories that my grandma told me from the Bible. I remember her telling me about what it meant to live for Jesus. She had planted seeds in my life many years before. And when I heard this Christian shared his testimony, I realized my own need for Jesus Christ. That I need to be forgiven of my sins. And so I accepted Jesus Christ that day. And he said, my life has been totally changed. And he ended his testimony by saying, my grandmother didn't have any political freedom. She lived under the oppressive communist government. Yet in spite of this, she displayed more freedom than anyone that I've ever known. And she used her freedom to tell me and to show me about Jesus. That's what Peter is telling us. Verse 17 in the Living Bible says, or in the in the message tells us that we are to exercise our faith by serving Jesus. I couldn't help but think as I saw these kids up here this morning with the vacation Bible school, you as a church have been planting seeds in these young lives. Hopefully, these kids will come to know Jesus at an early age. But if they don't, You've planted seeds in their lives that the Holy Spirit will continue to use and remind them of the the truth of the Bible and what Jesus can do in their lives. So I want to commend you as a congregation for investing in your kids and, and planting seeds that will have an eternal benefit for them. Well, this weekend as a nation, we celebrate our freedom. And that's a good thing. But this morning I want us to be able to celebrate the even greater freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible teaches that true and lasting and abiding freedom, no matter what our earthly circumstance might be, comes through Jesus Christ. John 14:6, Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. John, Jesus also says in John 8:32, it's the truth that will truly make you free. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this morning as we conclude our service with communion, uh, we can call it the Feast of Freedom. Because it's a time for us to be reminded that the greatest freedom that is available to us goes beyond any political perspective or any geographical situation. It's the freedom that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as our savior the communion elements they remind us that jesus died on the cross and there he paid the ultimate price so that we could be set free from both the bondage and the burden of our sin he gave his life for us so that we might experience not only freedom but we might experience the fullness of life jesus died to set us free But he died so that we might use our freedom that we can fully live for God. And as we live for God, we can display and declare the light of Jesus Christ through our words and our lives. So that others might see Jesus and be drawn to our wonderful Savior.